And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing today? Doing very well. I had pretty typical Monday wasn't my favorite thing uh, to go back to work and uh, after especially after such a great weekend because I spent it doing a daddy-daughter weekend um, yeah so it was a lot of fun we went to SeaWorld and we ate a lot of food that's, <laughs> we that's uh, spent a lot of a great weekend together so that was awesome that's um, really good did you have a good weekend yeah. uh, my weekend was pretty good um for the most part uh throughout the weekend just hanging out and uh coming up with some plans for for myself for content creation not just for our podcast but for other stuff uh so that was most of my weekend but then yesterday just had to sit in the in the worst possible thing of watching tom brady win another super bowl yet again oh right yeah as if that sports ball thing a, happened again. Yes, yes, it, it happens did. It every happened. year. Yes, it and does. I forget. <laughs> uh, yeah, so as a Miami Dolphins fan, having to suffer through Tom Brady for the past twenty years, when he left the Patriots last year, I thought he's over, he's out of my life, and now he he wins yet again, but with a different team this time. So yeah, that was my Sunday night. It was not uh, and fun. Tampa too. Like who likes yeah, Tampa? Like who likes Tampa? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. My brother was like, of all the places he could have gone, he yeah. goes to Tampa. Yeah. So that was that was my Sunday night. But uh, I'm I'm excited for now for tonight here as we're going to talk about a movie that I believe that you and I both like, and we were kind of taken aback when we started seeing some stuff about it. But before we get into that, if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We are on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, and we're on many more. And if you do like us, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars goes a long way for us. Come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AlwaysCriticPod. And lastly, if you're a fan, please, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out the page on Patreon.com slash AlwaysCriticPod. So today we are going to talk about the new Netflix release, Malcolm and Marie. This is a movie starring John David Washington and Zendaya, and it is directed by Sam Levinson. Uh, Quick synopsis, Jessica, why don't you let us know what this movie is about? IMDb synopsis reads, a director and his girlfriend's relationship is tested after they return home from his movie premiere and await critics' responses. So that is the general general thoughts of what the yeah, movie is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not too far off. We have some weird uh, relationships with the way IMDb decides We feel it. some type of way about yeah, IMDb this synopsis. One's, this one's pretty much on the spot. Yeah, uh, Sam Levinson, he is the director and the writer of the movie. He uh, wrote and directed the TV show Euphoria. So there's the Zendaya connection there. He also wrote and directed Assassination Nation. We, yeah, 2018. We, yeah, we went ahead and reviewed. You can find that on our Patreon if you want to go back and check out our early catalog of episodes. Uh, Levinson, if you recognize the name, it's because he is the son of Barry Levinson, the director who directed The Natural, Rain Man, Good Morning Vietnam, among many other movies. So if that name rings a bell, 
That's why. Jessica, tell us about the actual stars. Okay, so John David Washington, we just came off of reviewing his father's movie, The Little Things. Yes, we did. Uh, because he is the son of Denzel Washington. We saw him in Black Klansman in 2018 and most recently in Tenet in 2020. <laughs> I know how you feel about that movie. <laughs> um, again, like that one... I encourage you guys to go back and listen to our episode on Tenet because in the spoiler section, I just rip it to shreds and ask a plethora of questions about the uh, mechanics of it all because so Rico had apparently a great grasp of the movie, <laughs> understood so much. Um, yeah, so John David Washington, I feel like he's a bit of an up-and-comer because he he hasn't really done much, but he's got a great pedigree and yes. he's obviously got a lot of momentum right now. He does. So I'm feeling like he's one to watch and obviously Zendaya, Disney Channel star turned fashion icon and prestige actress. Um, yeah, she was in Greatest Showman. She's in the Spider-Man movies. Um, she was in Taylor Swift's Bad Blood music video. She was in a Beyonce music video. Um, and she just won a primetime Emmy for her work in Levinson's Euphoria. So she is getting a lot of recognition. There's so much buzz around her these days. And people recognize her. She's like a recognizable person. Yeah, she You is, know, figure. Yeah, she is one of the hot young stars in Hollywood. Like, just like, you can do no wrong having her in your project right now at the moment. Um, so good things and great things are happening and going to continue happening for Zendaya for sure. Uh, now the movie itself, uh, this one, I think caught us by surprise because before we yes. get the score, I think you and I generally like this movie. Um, I gave, gave it away because I usually don't text you my thoughts on a movie, right. especially now. Like it's been a little over a year of us doing, um, Basically movie watching on our own because we usually went to go watch new releases in theaters together. Yeah. And so it's a little bit of a mystery now when we come and do these recordings and these reviews because you might not know what I thought of it because we watched it separately. Um, this one I texted you and was like, I'm 40 minutes into this movie and I think it's brilliant. Yes. And then when I watched it the following day, I texted you almost around the 40-minute mark as well, and I was like, <laughs> this movie is great. <clears throat> so it should come to our surprise when we saw <laughs> the critical response for this movie. The, so it is Monday night that we're recording, and I kind of steered away from seeing any reactions to this movie the entire weekend. I, I kind of Same. I didn't, I didn't quite look on Twitter that much and right. I wasn't searching out any reviews for No, neither was I. I. I just, I went into the movie kind of blind. Like I had a, a, a decent understanding of what it was looking to be because I saw a trailer and that's it. Mm -hmm. uh, but then when we get together to put to, together our doc and get ready to talk about it, Jessica puts the Rotten Tomato score and I'm, <laughs> I'm shocked. It it's the movie bad. is at a 59%. That is rotten. That it's is a rotten. rotten movie. Yeah. Um the audience score isn't that much better. It's only at a 74%. Yeah. Um and according to consensus and this is the consensus from critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 
Malcolm and Marie's ambitions aren't always satisfactorily fulfilled, but its flaws are often offset by the strong chemistry between the film's stars. So it kind of feels like people were uh, let down by what they were attempting to do, it sounds mm-hmm. like. Uh, they like the characters and they like the actors portraying the characters, but they didn't like, I guess, the actual either plot mechanics or the way it unfolded. That's what it kind of sounds like to me. Uh, doesn't help much better that 53% on Metacritic, so... Like, everywhere you go, it's kind of a low score. It's not score. good, yeah. Um, and no box office, this is a Netflix release. And uh, one more uh, score that I want to uh, point out is Letterboxd. The average score on Letterboxd among people who watch it, regular normal fans, 3.2. Uh-huh. Which is a solid score, and usually that is a decent score. But not what I expected coming out of the movie. Uh, yeah. Especially so, because we liked it. Yes. So I was going to ask you, Jessica, what were your general thoughts of the movie? Oh, my thoughts. I really, I thought, I thought it was brilliant. I, I thought it was ambitious. It had a lot of striking, fiery dialogue in it. It was obviously a toxic relationship uh, between these people. It was like probing portraits of insecure creatives. I thought. Yes. Because insecurity just kind of permeates both of them. Yeah, it does. And they're trying to find validation from different places. Uh, It was just like a weighty tug of war between lovers who undeniably hate parts of themselves and parts of their partner. Mm. There you go. Yeah, it it was a lot. They threw out concepts of like equity in a relationship. They did. Which is really important. Yeah. Uh, and it was so steeped in heavy criticism of Hollywood <laughs> and uh, film critics as well, which is kind of ironic as we're here talking about it. I yeah. mean, we're nobodies, but it's okay. Um, yeah, it was crazy that it was trying to make a lot of statements, but it didn't like statements. Yeah, that's a great. <laughs> that's a great point. Levinson, uh, Sam Levinson, in this case, who wrote it, really is like just wearing out on the characters all of his thoughts and feelings on yes critic movie criticism and you know uh, one of the main like touch points that the characters can share is and i put it in quotes the white girl from the la times the white lady from the la times right Poor and thing. so she is the basically the surrogate for all of the complaints that Levinson has towards movie critics, movie reviewers, and the way they try to interpret art uh, without knowing the person, and like we know yeah. this because yeah. we are kind, we kind of do the same thing. We we interpret what the person is trying to say right. when they make a movie, right? And so, and the character of Malcolm is definitely a stand-in for the director. Yes. For sure. It's in no doubt in my mind that Malcolm is supposed to be the mouthpiece of Sam Levinson. For sure. And so a lot of what he's saying might offend like the critics that are typically making these kinds of statements and maybe um, creating a political like statement or crafting it around the art, you right. know? Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, 
And Sam Sam Levinson does not want that or does not subscribe to that. But he wants it nonetheless. Like, it's very paradoxical in that way. Yeah, because because he wants the critics to like the movie, but he doesn't want to hear the negative criticisms of his movie. And it's like, you know, you can't have it both ways. It's like, you know, wants wants his cake. You know, what's that? What's that idiom? Yeah, it's uh, he wants wants the cake cake to eat it too, too. or something. Yeah. Uh, So it is kind of. I can see why people are annoyed by it. Yeah, I, can I can see I can why see people it. are annoyed by the movie, but I found it amusing. Yeah, so did I. You I, know, because you've we've read these articles, yeah, <laughs> we've we, seen we these headlines, and what, we know what what he's railing against. Yes, because um, whether we agree with the critic who said whatever or we disagree, like it's there, and we we understand that world. Yeah. And what I really took away from that entire piece, because there's like a huge chunk of the movie just dedicated to that, uh, mm-hmm. the criticism of criticism <laughs> and not in, not interpreting the right way how your art is supposed to be interpreted or taking it into your own context or trying to uh, basically put your own agenda towards whatever you're seeing or watching uh-huh. yeah and so a lot of it is bent railing against that railing against railing it railing against it and i thought it was kind of funny it. i mean me too it's kind of just he's a narcissist the character's a narcissist oh for sure first no doubt in my mind that he's a narcissist thinks he's the hottest shit yeah and like he gets offended like outrageously offended by these reviews and like the white lady from the LA times who he simultaneously wants to impress and wants to tear up to pieces. Yeah. It's such a funny dynamic. Yeah. How this movie almost speaks from two sides of its mouth. Yeah. On how they want people to accept our movies in this particular case, how they should be accepted versus how they're interpreted and, no, you can't say that. No, you can say this, but you can't say that. And you know, like it's 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 a dynamic. It's a it's a fight. So, how did you feel about the movie before we move on to spoilers and major complaints that right, um, that other people are other having. people are having? Yeah, uh, I walked away with a couple of thoughts. Number one, I think that uh, John David Washington has established himself as a a guy that Hollywood needs to be putting as the face of a movie more often than not. Like right now he, he is on the uptick of that and he just needs to be getting more parts because he is, he has a commanding presence about himself, which I really enjoyed. It's similar to his father. Like his father can walk onto a set or just into a scene and like eyes gravitate towards him and like Mm. he, he commands the room. And I really want to see him explore that. And this movie did really do a good job with that. Number two, Zendaya, like, stole it from me. Like, I was surprised, not because I had heard of, obviously, good things like Euphoria and her performance in that. And, you know, the more of the things that I've seen her in have been more, um, how do I say, like, Spider-Man. It's, I'm not saying uh-huh. she's, she's not really stretching. 
Yeah. You know, she's not really stretching her abilities there or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But in this movie, like, she brings this rawness to the part that I didn't know was there. I, I didn't. And she just... Even the little glances she gives, the the subtle movements that she does is just incredible stuff by her. And I'm really excited to see where her career takes her because I think this is a great showcase for the two of them. This is a great showcase like, hey, and I, I bet this is one of the complaints is that a lot of it is a little bit of overacting. Like it almost feels like uh-huh. a play. It does feel like a play. And- I, that was my major complaint with uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah. Was that it was so out of place because it seemed like it should be on the stage as a play. As right, a exactly. stage play. And this has that same flair, but I wouldn't say that it's so negative in that way. Like, I don't, wouldn't say it's a negative. I would say it's interesting that I kind of read it as a stage play. And maybe it would be better as a stage play, but I enjoy it in this in this film. I, I think what's important about this is that the the movie does not sit into in one location for too long. the The movie moves around the pl- the house that they're in, so you have different conversations in different locations versus something like Ma Rainey's, where the concentration of both of the movie is just in two rooms. One room with the musicians, the other room where Ma Rainey is in uh, to record. And that's where the majority of the movie is, just sits in those two places. Mm-hmm. And even though this is only one house, the movie travels throughout the house. It travels outside. It travels in the living room, the kitchen, different places. So you get a bit of a change of pace when they move somewhere else into the house. Mm. But it does still feel like a play. Do we want to talk about the age difference? Uh, before we do that, before we do that, I did want to mention that the reason why this movie happens to feel like a play and is concentrated into one place only, uh, not just because of writing, but also because uh, this was a movie that was written, directed, and completed during COVID nineteen pandemic in the United yeah, States. Yeah, it's a quarantine movie. Yeah, it's a quarantine movie. It was shot between. Uh, June 17th and July 2nd of 2020 with the approval of the Writers Guild of America, the Directors Guild of America, and Everybody. the Screen Actors Guild. <laughs> yes, everyone. Uh, so the shoot followed, you know, the COVID-19 protocols to ensure that everyone was safe. So that's why that's I think that's another reason why this movie was so self-contained into one location. So mm-hmm. with that said, sure. let's talk about the supposed age difference <laughs> controversy. So uh, what are the ages of the two actors that we're talking about right now in real life? Um, I believe I think Zendaya is 24. Yes. And she's John in David Washington is 36. Yes. So they play a couple in this movie. And I guess there is a... I think a it's a 12-year age difference. Yeah, it's a 12-year age gap. And apparently there's a bit of a, uh, I guess, blowback that Zendaya was receiving or... Even John David Washington, like, why is there such a difference in age between the two leads? And we've talked about this before. This is something we've talked about, like, at length on the show. Um, and even greater differences, like age differences. Yeah. Um, I personally don't like it. No, I know. 
I know. You I don't. don't like huge age differences, and that's actually a bit of a trope in Washington, in Washington, <laughs> in Hollywood, because oh, no, sure. it's always a ridiculously younger woman with a ridiculously older man. In this case, twelve years might not feel like a big difference, but I think people are kind of up in arms because Zendaya is still seen as a Disney Channel star. I think that's about- and you know, it's she's got a, an image that she's can't come from and people can't shake that it's similar to like pattinson and they think he's still the twilight guy twilight guy and and yeah you're right uh because there's it's like why is he doing why is he doing high art and high cinema when he's like a vampire so it's the same (laughs) thing i feel here with zendaya and the age difference is that people see her as still a minor channel disney channel star young um she is way past of age (laughs) and uh you know she can make her own career decisions and what what have you that's fine i don't care about that but i personally i'm never for huge age differences no i know never 12 is is huge in your eyes right 12 is pretty 12 pretty pretty momentous yeah fair (laughs) enough that that's fair enough we've seen a lot worse in in hollywood oh yeah um and what's the notorious one that you? Uh, oh, I do. Uh, pretty Jimmy woman. Stewart. Oh, uh, like don't. Jimmy Stewart was fifty versus, um, who was it? Was it <laughs> Which Grace time? Kelly? I can't remember, but she was like twenty-eight. <clears throat> oh yeah, was 50. Rear Window. Oh, Rear Window. Yes, and like just the huge age difference. It was there. a embarrassing age difference but you know we, we don't digress even have to go that far like no just like in this past decade uh bradley cooper and silver linings playbook 38 jennifer lawrence 21 so like oh god like Ooh. we don't even have to go that far like yeah it's always happening i i i don't i don't think, think it's okay if you want to call it out great but i mean I don't see why this movie um, should get right. more flack than any other that's right, exactly. doing the same shit. So exactly, the, uh, this movie doesn't deserve more of it. No, just because it's always happening in Hollywood. Uh, now let's go ahead and should we talk about uh, spoilers? Should we yeah, let's just jump now? into spoilers. All right, so let's go ahead and let's talk about spoilers before we do. Let's go ahead and give our scores from Letterbox. Jessica, what did you give the movie? I gave it a four out of five. I am right there with you. I gave it a four out of five as well. No. Uh, both of us sitting there. I mean, that's that's good in our books. As, yeah. And for you, especially because you don't really give fours that often. So No. No. So, it's pretty rare. So with that said, let's go ahead and talk about spoilers for Malcolm and Marie. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see death. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? Okay, so where do you want to start with the criticism that this movie's getting? Okay, so they're they're angry pretty much the whole time. And I mean, I don't know how much we can spoil other than just they're fighting and they're making up and fighting and making up. And that's the pattern of the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, this is probably some people like, were annoyed by that. Yes, some um, people were annoyed by that. Found it kind of redundant or repetitive or uninspiring. Um, so, I think that some people didn't like the runtime of I think it was two like hours. two hours, almost two hours. I can say 
that I agree with them. Like they could have probably cut 20 minutes off the movie and it would have been a tighter thing, a tighter film. Um, And not so uh, mired in uh, self-loathing and um, negativity, (laughs) toxicity. Um, So I can see why, why people are like, it's two hours. Why two hours? It's incredibly uncomfortable at points. Um, But you know, did you have something to say? Yes. About what the- I was going to say was that I think that this movie is trying to capture what it's like when a couple has a bad night, a very bad fight night, where neither one of them wants to give an inch. No, it's relentless. It's relentless. And I think this movie, uh, people criticize it for the repetitiveness at times because there's some moments where things are brought up yet again. Uh, some points of the fight, like for example, um, her h- whole thing starts with "You didn't thank me when you were thanking people. You didn't thank me in your speech." <laughs> in your speech, and it gets brought up again, like halfway through the movie. And you know, like you can think about saying, "Well, that's repetitive. They already went over that." No, but, but I kind of feel like the movie is taking that stance of you're having this fight. And you're losing this battle, but later you come back and you think it through. Yeah. You take some time apart in the house or on the property, yeah. and then you come back and you have like another round because now you have something to say. You ha- you've gathered gathered your thoughts and feelings, and you can articulate something that maybe you couldn't before in the moment. So like yeah. I feel like that's how the movie ebbs and flows. Yeah, and I like that about it, and it's yeah. almost done to comedic effect because. Malcolm goes outside and starts like just saying gibberish and he's like ah like screaming outside and walking around in the middle of the night and just kind of letting off steam without her watching him yeah because it is like such a a picture of quarantine as well and so many couples being stuck inside together for months and months and that kind of suffocating aspect of I need a second to myself. And in the middle of this fight, like that I wasn't prepared for, I just need a second to like just say fuck a million times, you know? Yeah. Um, so I liked it. I liked yeah. that. I, I think that what maybe people are missing is that uh if you go into like a fight like this that happens and you start getting attacked for, for something that happens in the relationship. Sometimes you don't have the answers to come back at that person yeah. right in the spot. Mm-hmm. But you think about it later and then since you're still in that moment, you're still fighting. Mm-hmm. You come back and it's like, well, wait a minute. And then you start <laughs> right. coming back with your response and you're, you, you yeah. know, you go to back and forth. And, and yes, people joke about that all the time where it's like, oh, I didn't have the greatest comeback. But like later I had like all these 20 comebacks. And yeah. that's what's happening in the movie. Like they're coming back. <laughs> yeah, because they are trapped together. Yeah. They are in a, they're in a relationship, but they're in a house that is secluded off from everyone. There's no neighbors. She can't much. just walk downstairs and grab a taxi and like leave. No, like <laughs> she would... If she wanted, the only thing she could do is like call an Uber and it'll be a while. Like, <laughs> right. So I think that's where the movie really like steeps itself into is just like uh, people not prepared for the attack that comes and then coming back once they actually have something to say. Yeah. 
Um, some people thought it was very whiny, insufferable, uh, an excuse for director Sam Levinson to air out his deep grievances and frustrations with film critics. I one hundred agree. One hundred percent, I agree with that. For like, sure. I yeah, don't I mean, fault it for being whiny and insufferable. I might fault it for being overwritten. Right. To um, the point where everything is so immaculately polished that it's unbelievable. Right. At one point, he just drops a word during a fight. You're so solipsistic. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm sorry, where the hell did that word come from? Right. I had to look it up. And <laughs> and I was just like, nobody in a fight drops no. a word like that. So No. So, yeah. so I almost wanted it to be dumbed down. Just a tad bit. Just a tad bit. Because, yeah, I can see <laughs> I can see what people are saying. Yo, this is overwritten. Overwritten and the writing seems bipolar because they're up, down, uh, extreme highs, extreme lows during this entire evening. You know, after the, the whole mess of the premiere and the after party and the glitz and the glamour. You know, it's just them. Yeah, and it's just them. But the fact that they're going at it so um, intensely, intensely, and uh, it's very, again, like polished and pristine, um, and you know, this only this is something the type of this, the type of writing that this is is writing, yes, not dialogue. Yes. Okay. They. So I think the best example where this movie kind of like finds itself where it's like overwritten and it's not thinking about the audience. It's thinking about just itself. Pretty much Mm -hmm. the writer is thinking about himself is when Malcolm goes into the diatribe of uh, basically (laughs) actors or directors. And, you know, was this director gay because he, you know, did this and like the way it goes into almost like film history and not even film history that you could find in books, just film history that you're interpreting. Uh, mm-hmm. Just by how people at the time of whatever filming, whatever director, just pull a name out of a hat. You probably mentioned it uh, mm-hmm. during the movie. Uh, but I think the way they go about that is a little overwritten because you're just if you have no context of film history or just knowing uh-huh. like some of the older time directors or actors. Like that entire thing just flies right over your head. It seems really pretentious. Right. It does. You know? And again, like we're kind of in this world, like one foot out, one foot in. Yeah. And I I found it amusing because like, this is Twitter. (laughs) This is Twitter. And he's like railing against like this type of, um, uh, the aspect of, of criticism. Yeah. He is. The whole concept of, you know, how much of yourself do you bring into the criticism? Yeah. And it's, <laughs> for the average moviegoer, like, it's stupid. Like, that's why I feel like people were like, this is so self-indulgent of the director to put all of this in here. And I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's good or bad because honestly, like, the character that they he created is a film director and yeah. his girlfriend is an aspiring actress. Exactly. So that's their world. So again, like, I don't know. I'm up in the air about it. So, yeah, 
I think the fact that we're kind of teetering on the edge between the two of us is because we understand. I what, understood it. Yeah, we understand yeah. it. But that that entire you know diatribe doesn't fly over our head, and we, it's multiple monologues. It. Yeah, it and, is. or diatribes, as you say, because uh, one of my favorite, like, um, I guess, like pieces of writing of the movie is when uh, at the beginning he mentions like. Uh, I finally wrote a movie. I could break out. And then, mm-hmm. like, Zendaya says, well, that's until you sell out and make a Lego movie. Make you a know? Lego movie. And then, like, later on, she brings it up again in a yeah. moment of, you know, like, tenderness. She's, like, like just telling him, like, no, you're just going to make a movie, a Lego movie. And then people write that it's a criticism of slave labor in, in America and like the way people will write about <laughs> what that. was the title that she gave it I was like oh my god genius oh I'm trying and to again like that. how can she come up with that in the moment it, it's uh it's unbelievable yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. you know like, it's so it's so smart as to borderline like be you know call bullshit on it right now would this really happen in a fight no maybe not but then again, these are two people who have like a weird relationship with each other. Abus- abusive is one. Abusive. Um, um, do you want to talk about that? So yeah. Okay. So, uh, I was teetering a lot during the movie on you know who was right, who was wrong, mm-hmm. and I am sitting here thinking that Malcolm is the biggest fucking asshole, and like he is. The majority of what's wrong with a relationship. Yeah. And he's the one that's putting out a lot of the emotional abuse. He is. Uh, because he, what he does is a lot of the times he will fault her for yeah. finding some excuse in quotation marks to right. put up a fight or to like one thing that he really does is he makes her uh, the 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 problem of herself like she's the one you're you're damaged you're the one yeah that doesn't love yourself like you're the one that keeps wanting to fuck things up for yourself mm. you can't you can't do and he's putting it all on her without right. taking any inventory or anything about his his uh, part yeah his part in the relationship he mm-hmm. is manipulative with her mm-hmm. um the way he throws uh, his ex-girlfriends at her uh, in that moment when she's oh, in the tub. Cool. And, like, yeah, it's cool. And she it's even just says cruel. it later. Like, and she says, is- like, how dare you, like, come... Well, not that she said how dare you, but it was basically saying, how could you come and tell me all this? Like, you did right. not have to go that far. Right. And you took it way farther than you needed to. And it borderline was... It was cruel. Like... Yeah, it was cruel. It was cruel of you to take it that far because... You know me, and you know I can't get those images out of my head of uh, Kiki and, uh, in the tub. in the heart shaped tub in, in the Marriott, St. Louis. It's, like, who would say that? She was right. like, if it was me, I would never right let that out of of my you know personal you know box of shame or whatever. It would be I would take it to my grave. Yeah, that's what she said. And but you just take it out and wield it in a fight. Like yeah, it's nothing. Like it's nothing. He he uses it as a weapon. Yeah. And it it's unfair the way he'll he'll say stuff about him. 
Now, that gives her a good opening to really attack him. Uh, like, she goes after him. Like, there's a moment early on where um, the L.A. Times writer says, like, oh, he could be the next, you know. Oh, Spike uh, Lee. Spike Lee or um, uh, the, oh, man, I'm blanking on the director from Moonlight uh, at the moment. Uh, it'll come to me out of nowhere. <laughs> but, like, you know, he's the next great yeah, black director. Yeah. And then Oh, Damien Chazelle. No, it's no, not. No. Why was I off. thinking La La Land? You were oh. you were thinking of the Oscar mix up. That's what I was thinking of the Oscar Oscar mix of. up. Yeah, that Oscar mix up. Ooh, all right. Um, and so, then all of a sudden, later on in the fight, when he's like, "You're not the next Spike Lee. You're not the next director," because those guys had something to say. You have nothing have to nothing. say. Oh. Yeah. Just. Just. That uh, part was ooh. so great because. Ripped it. I feel like everything that she said was truth. And yeah. everything that he said was distorted. Yeah. I, I I completely agree. He he knew that he could not fight in in a fair fight because if not, he was gonna lose no matter what. Because the argument was the fr- it started with you didn't thank me in your speech. Exactly. You th- and she said you thanked everyone else. Everyone. Except for me. Right. And Quick that says something. <laughs> uh, it was Barry Jenkins was. The Barry Jenkins. Point. Damn I can't it. I believe I forgot that. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. So she is bringing just truth and straight up facts. You didn't thank me during that. And then later And he on, said, oh, I thought out. you were okay. You said you were okay. And she said, well, I changed my mind. Right. Because the night wore on and everyone kept talking to her and saying how much they were. How sorry they were and how sympathetic they were because she was not thanked in the speech. And it apparently was a bigger deal than she thought at first because everyone was harping on it. Yeah. Everyone. Everyone. And so for context for people, if you are listening right now, haven't watched the movie, but you know, uh, it's because they had just come home from his movie premiere. This is his directorial debut and people are coming to him, like critics and, and movie reviewers and people in the industry are coming up to him, you know, like, a, you, it's a work of art. And like, they're, they're stroking. Like, he's raving. been the entire night. He's had his ego stroked the yes. entire night. Right. And so <laughs> he considers the the lack of thank you a very small thing. Right. Like, it was just like. Oh yeah, I just yeah, think they're like in other like speeches, but this was the big one after yeah. the the premiere of his movie. So, and then but then the movie like compounds itself, and you find out that this is something that they kind of had worked on together and wanted to. do It was together. a bit more collaborative than he let on. Yeah, he did. and she didn't get any credit. Right. Because she was like, movie, I stayed up with you. I talked with you. Is this okay? Watched a million cuts, read the script, the rewrites, everything was with you the whole time. Plus, the character that you're basing your entire movie on is me. Like, it's my story. Because yeah. I was a, I was a recovering uh, drug addict at 20 and was having so much trouble getting clean. And this is my story. You stole my story. And... Now you don't thank me. One of the most heartbreaking moments of the fights is 
when she asks him, can I ask you something without you, you know, insulting me or abusing, verbally abusing me? Why didn't you cast me in the movie? And then she goes into talking about, you know, we were supposed to work on this together. Like this is my story. And now I don't have anything from it because I can't even tell it. Mm-hmm. Because now I didn't get to tell my, my story. You yeah. told my story. But I can't say it anymore. I can't tell my story anymore. Uh, and I found that to be very, very hard. Like that really hit mm. emotionally for me. Because it was just like, wow. Not only has he been just treating her as if like she is paranoid of. Yeah, she, know, he's gaslighting her. He's gaslighting her throughout the movie. Like, oh, uh, there's nothing going on between me and the star of the movie. You're making too much out of it. No, the movie's not really based on you. Maybe pieces of it. And then, but then it turns out that like they they kind of had an agreement almost. Mm-hmm. And now she's been left out in the cold with nothing to nothing show. Nothing to show for, for it. it. Nothing to show for it. And that's where it kind of hit me like, yeah. Damn, this- so he creatively hijacked her story yeah. and her life and didn't give her credit. Um, didn't even thank her in his speech. And so it was basically a culmination of all of this pent up, uh, all of these pent up feelings. Yeah. yeah. And it, it really sucks because. That's what happens in a fight because it'll start about one it's thing. It's a sense of then, ownership that she's lost. Yes. She, it's her life. That yeah. Is, uh, and she she even mentions it in, in a fight where she says that I regret opening myself up to you. Like letting out those details of my life. Like there was things that she told him that made it into the movie or made it into their discussions. And... She regrets saying them because of the way they were used. Either they were used without her permission or they were used in the fight mm-hmm. or they were used in the movie that she's getting no credit for. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of uh, everything being pent up and just exploding on that night because it's just it's too much. It's overwhelming. And I love how he says, why are you doing this? Like, it's my night. Everyone was saying how they loved the movie. Like, why are you doing this now? Right, like, because, I, because he's so selfish. It <laughs> he's over. so selfish. He's like, why are you doing this to me? Yes. And it's more like, no, why are you doing this to me? Right. And so, and it all just uh, boils over on that night. It's just, it's too much to continue on. Uh, how did you feel about the movie being in black and white? I didn't care that much about it yeah it looked pretty i mean good if i sit here and think about it i'd be like oh it's you know you have two sides two stories one could say a black and a white story except it's really not so simple um there's definitely layers to it there's definitely a lot of gray a lot of gray area and so you know i like the concept of two uh battling entities and colors so to speak yeah, in colors uh that i i really admire the choice it was shot on film which i appreciated i it, it's like right at the beginning of the movie the movie <laughs> kind of opens in a very 
like 1950s like way where it's like the title of the movie and then all the credits are before the movie yeah uh, i think they had a crew of 20 yeah it was people. a very small crew yeah uh, but I really enjoyed that, and I I liked the way the movie was. I really found myself engaged when that it's not the opening shot, but it's basically when he's like just like I'm the king of the world type of thing, and the mo- the camera's just panning back, back and, forth, and forth right outside the house, like it's peeking into their into their mm-hmm. existence, into their lives, and she's just there like making mac and cheese, and then she steps. You can outside. tell she's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then she steps outside to smoke that cigarette, lights it with the with the barbecue match, like the barbecue lighter. And like you can tell from that moment, oh, like whatever is happening in her head right now, she is getting ready to unleash on on this guy. And this guy is just like high on life at the moment. He's drinking. He's he looks like a fool. Oh yeah, because he's just like he has no I idea. I had all these people on me, and like he's just like all over himself. Um, so th- I really appreciated that. But still uh, has the audacity to rail against the critics and the uh, the white yeah. lady from the yeah, L.A. Times <laughs> and his interview with her and how he uh, made her feel uncomfortable and belittled her because he brought up a director that maybe was black and she didn't know. And he just saw the emotions run across her face and like these frightening thoughts of, oh, I'm out of my depth. Oh, maybe I'm racist for thinking that. And like all these things. (laughs) And I'm like, you're such a dick. Like you can't just, you know, Um, it's a press junket. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I I praise this movie for its music. I Mm. think that. It did some storytelling with the music. It did. Um, I think the choice of music throughout here and there, um, basically it kind of almost felt like interludes of in the night. This is kind of going back to the whole uh, play thing hmm. where uh, you can break up moments or, or parts of a scene using music as a way to interlude into the next thing. And they use that a couple of times where he plays a song for her. Uh, she plays a song for him. And mm-hmm. you know, and it echoes their sentiments. Uh, yeah, it echoes their sentiments. It cuts right into them as as people. So uh, I really appreciated the music as well. Uh, are there any other critics that we or criticisms that we haven't really talked about? Um, that I we've talked about quite a few. So there was actually. an undercurrent of suicide in the movie, and I kind of thought that she was going to commit suicide, which is not a favorite thought. When no. you're watching the thing, the movie is, I'm expecting a suicide. But at the end of the movie, they bucked that. She doesn't commit suicide. Instead, he finds her outside. And I don't know how I feel about that. Because they, there was a point when she was cutting him down for like the last time, essentially. And she's telling him things like, the man that's in front of me is the best version of himself and it was very um emotional he's finally starting to cry and break under you know the weight of what she's saying because she's like i can't like you're awful and i'm here still (laughs) like why are you like shitting on me right why are you why are you bulldozing the people that are still here yeah and i fully expected her to one, my first thought was, oh, she's going to commit suicide. And that's the final, like, fuck you. 
in this whole thing is that mm-hmm. you didn't see these signs. Right. Or number two, which is what I wanted to happen, was she leaves him. She just leaves. She just leaves in the middle of the night and he doesn't know. I thought that's what was going to happen. I, I So thought. neither thing happened. <laughs> they are ostensibly still together. And I don't think I like that ending, which is probably, you know, other than the other, you know, critical um, things that we agreed with from the complaints we we detailed earlier, like that ending is probably another reason why I didn't give it five out of five. Gotcha. Because it just, after all of like the hoo-ha that happened <laughs> overnight, um... You know, he says, I'm sorry. And then I think he says, I love you. And she doesn't say anything back. Fades to black. It's the next morning. She's not in the bed. Right. And I'm like, she should have just. uh, I mean, I wish it was a picture of female agency where she's like, I don't need you. I'm going to leave. I don't need this shit. Um. Because obviously this has been stewing for many years. In the course of their argument, he still holds it against her that she was so messed up and on drugs and that she had all of these relapses and couldn't get her shit together, couldn't hold the conversation, and that he was there. But, you know, he was still collecting uh, her story. Yeah. So and was it was it that uh, benevolent of him to yeah, be there for her he, during he the all that? He treats it as a, like a badge of honor that he was yeah. going there when she relapsed, you know? Yeah. Uh, when in reality, like, that's just her going through her suffering and you just, you, yeah. you're there. You he just reveled in her it. suffering, especially yeah. on that night that he comes back and he's reveling in his triumph and it's like you're reveling in my pain yeah that you've displayed on screen exactly and i had no part in telling my story yeah uh the ending for me so i fully expected her to leave yeah i kind of expected and i wanted her to leave and when you know when he wakes up and she's not there i thought okay she left i think that would have been the bigger implication that he has to start anew and he has to find something original to say versus telling her story and putting his name on it. Yeah. So So I think that would have been the stronger ending. And maybe you know, some people were saying, oh, this was a quarantine movie. It was done so quick. So dirty, small crew. Maybe if there was more time and this was on a regular movie schedule – they could have fleshed this out more and maybe it would have been a better script and all this stuff and maybe shortened and tightened and who knows what else. But I think maybe that ending could have been that she leaves. And that's the ending I prefer gotcha. in my head. In your head, Cam. In my head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I I think that this movie is... It, it's a very good movie. It's a great showcase for... Washington and Zendaya and I will agree with some of the some of the complaints uh, not to say that they it brings it down for me I think we I like just, the we like the movie in spite of all of these yes exactly complaints right the the overwritten monologues the the director the 
the era of pretentiousness when it comes to um, some of the language they use and some of the, yeah. the conversations that they have. But at the end of the day, I think that it is a pretty I like these portrayal. characters. Yeah. And it is a strong portrayal. Um and I don't I don't want to bring up this word. Do you did you feel it was authentic? Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Damn. Um yes and no. Yes and no. Because I feel like these people could exist um on this level with you know the the source that they had and the um ample time to create craft um really ed- educational responses <laughs> yeah. to each other in this fight um maybe not but <laughs> right so- it is a reflection of the filmmaker and i think people didn't like that I think when people go to watch a movie, they don't want to see what... The man behind the curtain! Hey! (laughs) Uh, And they also don't want to see their real-life reflection uh, on screen. And by that, I mean they're looking to escape fights with their significant others. And here I am being thrown into a fight. A painful uh, fight. Yeah, a painful fight. And I don't know how audiences or maybe a better question is how couples would receive like a movie like this. Hmm. Because I know that people were joking back when Marriage Story came out. Oh, this is not a movie that couples should watch together. It'll question their <laughs> entire relationship type of thing. Um, but I mean, the same could be said for this because. I mean, like, any story that has a shred of truth to it is going to elicit an, a reaction from yeah. the person who is closest to it. Yeah, exactly. It just will. And uh if you're if you are or have ever been in a relationship that is this volatile, you're going to maybe feel something that you don't want to feel and you won't be entertained, you'll be revolted. <laughs> yeah. Um and you'll be uncomfortable. Like people were uncomfortable. I get it. 2 hours of these people fighting for 2 hours. <laughs> Right, and that's just two hours uh, on screen. On screen. Um, And it is painful. It's uh, It kind of demolishes you a little bit. And I don't know, it kind of electrified me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because you're kind of there just watching them, you know, go blow for blow. Yeah. And you're astonished sometimes at where a character will go or what they'll say. Mm-hmm. Because you're just like, oh wow, like yeah, she went there or he went yeah. there. In my mind, they went too far. I, I mean, I, I feel think- like the Don- John David Washington's um, monologue that he gives while she's in the tub, yeah, was that the I would have been like, cruel. I would have gotten my shit and just fucking drove away because like there's no need for me to stick around when he's you know spewing what he's spewing and she does, yeah. She does. And it's crazy. So it's uh it's hard. It's a hard watch. It's gonna be a hard watch for people. I don't think it was necessarily a hard watch for me personally, but you know, everyone's different. <laughs> right. I've I've never been in a 
fight like that in a relationship, but it's never escalated to anything like that. Um, sure, verbal, you know, sparring here and there, maybe, but nothing to like, this was like a heavyweight fight, you know? Yeah. With words and just like uppercuts and just like body blows, just like it just was dismal. Everything. They were trying to draw to to draw blood. Yeah, they were. And uh, you know, if you know, it's crazy. It's yeah, just it's crazy. unbelievable. It's a, yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, any final thoughts on this movie before we get out of here? No, I think that it's kind of low risk. It's on Netflix. Yeah. If you've gotten this far and you've heard all the spoilers and all the complaints from the critics and uh, heard our positivity <laughs> and you haven't watched the movie, go go watch it. Yeah, I I don't know if this is truly a movie that can be spoiled only because... That's what I was saying at the beginning of the spoiler there, section. Yeah, you're kind of there to watch how it unfolds, not why it's not point a to b to c reveal not like that at all exactly it's not like you're going to be shocked by some reveal that happens you're there entrenched in what is happening between the two of them and you know what they're going to say it's a drama (laughs) yeah it's a drama it's exactly it lives up to the lives up to the word drama so uh with that i mean we both liked it we both enjoyed the movie and uh, we're still a little surprised by and the And still taken thing. aback by the reaction, the, yeah. the professional critical reaction. Yeah. I saw one uh, review on Letterboxd that said, this movie is so good if you mute it. I, oh, I saw that one too. It was so savage. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the, it is still surprising to me. But overall, I, I still think we, we really enjoyed it. And let us know your thoughts because uh, are we missing something? Or? Did we miss something? I feel like we got all the complaints I think in. We got but, it. Uh, uh, and but if if you don't agree with how we felt, like let us know what what you think or uh, what's a point that we made maybe that uh, you don't fully agree with. Let us know about that as well. You can tell us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Always Critic Pod. So you can talk to us there. Share your thoughts with us. Uh, that's where you can also keep track of the show, what we're going to be doing uh, coming up in the future as well. And Jessica, why don't you tell them where they can listen to us? Oh, my God, everywhere. Spotify, Google Play, um, Apple Music. Oh, not Apple Music. You <laughs> cannot Podcast. listen to us on Apple Music. <laughs> <laughs> Apple Podcasts uh, and so many more. Stitcher. I mean, a million places. So, Just give us a search and uh, subscribe. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And we're glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Yes, we are. And it will be especially glad if you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts as well. And finally, last thing, uh, if you really, really support us, go ahead and check out our Patreon page. Uh, We are on Patreon at AlwaysCriticPod. If you go to our socials, we have our links there as well. Uh, So give us a check out and support the show we would greatly appreciate it and help us keep going here so with that said that has been our show i'm rico and i'm jessica and this has been the always a critic podcast (laughs) 